Have you heard the sermons that Chad and Sabrina have given over the last few weeks? I'm sure you have. But if you missed one or more, let me catch you up. After the excitement, the joy, the celebrations of Easter, we entered the season of Pentecost, the 50 days after Easter, the celebration that we had last week, the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, the commemoration of the moment when God sent his spirit to descend upon his people. and They were launched into the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Over these 50 days, Chad and Sabrina examined the many instances of the appearances of Jesus after his resurrection to the people in various places in Israel, teaching them, reminding them, preparing them for what was to come. Everything had changed. Pentecost was a curious time in the history of our church. It was a time of confusion and fear, but also a time of clarity, a time for the fulfillment of history, the completion of Jesus' predictions of his resurrection. All the prophecies of the ancient believers of Israel came into sharp focus for the first Christians in Jerusalem, but also for us as we hear their stories and understand what they came to learn. A few weeks back, we discovered a pattern in these appearances, a pattern that was embedded in the story of Genesis, lived out in the history of the Old Testament, and becoming very clear in the moments, the days, the years after Jesus' resurrection. It's the very sequence of events that we will celebrate today in communion. Jesus will take the bread, he'll bless it, he'll break it, and he'll give it to his disciples. And giving them the bread, he reminded them, he commanded them, remember me. He made them ready to face life, to go into the world, renewed and refreshed. And over these last few weeks, we've seen how Christ chose others, Mary, Peter, Thomas, Ananias, Paul, He chose them, and then he blessed them after he'd called them, and he broke them with doubt and fear, and then yet he sent them with his spirit to go into the world. Being broken is what makes the bread useful and effective in Christ's hands, and being broken is what makes us ready to embrace God's forgiveness. And so we as disciples of Christ, we know that we've been chosen, called by name, blessed with the good news of the gospel, broken with our own personal doubts and fears, but then empowered by the Holy Spirit, we go out into the world. Just like the disciples at Pentecost, each of us will eventually be touched by the Holy Spirit, encouraged to follow Jesus' commandment, to take the good news into places outside of our comfort zones. There will be moments like Pentecost when God's Spirit descended upon those first disciples, when fearful, confused, anxious, cowardly Christians became emboldened, articulate, and confident Christ followers. Like us, the disciples did not know everything. No one can know everything, but they knew enough. Christ had reintroduced them to their creator God. He had served them and worked with them side by side as God with us, and he prepared them to receive the power and the validation of the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to revisit some scripture You've heard this several times recently, but our focus today will be a little different. Listen now to the words of Christ recorded by Luke in the first chapter of Acts, verses 6 through 8. Then the disciples gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria 
and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. You and I, we like a game plan, don't we? We want to know what's happening, where we are to go, what we are to do. Give us an itinerary, a calendar, a commitment. But Jesus is clear, this is not for you to know. You don't need to know it. God's plans are not your plans. You will need to trust that God through his spirit will let you know what you are to do and where you are to go. Relax, this is above your pay grade. God will move in your heart. He'll direct you and guide you as to what you should be doing and give you the words to say, the truth that you need to share. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A couple of words to take note of in this phrase. Witness in the Greek is the word martus, which translates exactly as it sounds in English. A witness tells the truth, testifies to what they know. They help explain, make clear something that is controversial, controversial or confusing. A true witness can be trusted, speaks confidently with the goal of clarity and justice. But in the ancient Greek, the word witness also implies a level of sacrifice to support someone who is suffering, stepping up to encourage and defend. And so Jesus is telling us not only to tell the good news, but helping us understand that telling it may have some risk to one's own safety and benefit. It's the root of our word martyr, one who speaks up at at a sacrifice. Being a martyr is always the right thing to do, but it may not always be easy and sometimes may even be costly. The next phrase to note in Jesus' description of the geography he wants to cover, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. Jerusalem is the hometown. Jerusalem is Kingwood, very familiar to all who are hearing his words. They know this neighborhood. They speak the language. Everyone in Jerusalem was Jewish. Talking about Jesus in Jerusalem was risky, but they knew this town. Judea was Texas, not hometown, but very familiar. The Jews knew all the roads in Judea, all the places to stop, all the safe places, and all the not so safe places. They knew Judea like we know South Texas. We've been there, we know our way around. Samaria was different. Samaria was farther away. Samaria was California or Appalachia or Alaska. The language, the customs, even the religious faith might be different. Sumerians were suspicious, wary of the Jews. Talking about Jesus in Samaria would be a very hard sell. But Jesus names Samaria, clearly expecting the first Christians to do their duty, even in a foreign setting. And the last phrase, the ends of the world, refers to the farthest edges of known civilization. For the Jews in Israel, the ends of the earth were Northern Africa, Mesopotamia, Europe. Our ends of the world might be Mexico, Peru, Ukraine, Sudan. These were locations completely foreign to the disciples, almost unimaginable in the complexity of travel and communication and evangelism. The term end of the earth refers to distant lands, but also has the connotation of the tail end of the earth. And that is the places where even basic civilization might not be recognizable. Ends of the earth would touch, require tough stretches in our patience 
willingness to tolerate long travel, unrecognizable terrain, weird food. But the Greek word also refers to the status of the people at the end of the world, the tail end. These people will not be in the centers of civilization, but on its fringes. Jesus was clear. The good news of the gospel was not for kings and palaces or religious leaders in temples. It was for the least, the last, and the lost in the farthest reaches of known creation. Now the moment that we always wait for, so what? What does this mean for us? You've been chosen. You're a child of God. You've been called by name, and you are unique in all creation. You are an heir to Christ. You've been blessed, blessed with incredible gifts, talents, and resources. No one else on earth has the same skill set and abilities that you have. But we have the same problem as the first disciples. We're not sure if we have what it takes to be disciples of Christ. Our default reaction to Jesus' call to serve is to hesitate, to second-guess ourselves. We think, maybe it's not for me. Maybe this is not the time. Have you ever felt that your faith, even your life, is too broken, like the bread in Jesus' hands? Perhaps you have run fearfully from life, like Mary at the tomb. Perhaps you have doubted, like Thomas in the upper room. Perhaps you've been knocked off your horse, like Paul on the road. Perhaps you have temporarily forgotten what you already know about God, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Perhaps you have had moments of shame, like Peter, assuming that you could never be forgiven. Welcome to the club. It's a story of normal Christians, normal human beings. The story of Pentecost is not a story of noble, courageous Christians. It's a story about you and I, chosen, blessed, broken, and then discovering in the end Christ was all they had, and at the same moment realizing that Christ was all they needed. That was the truth, the good news of the gospel that was given to them. I want you to notice also that Jesus does not instruct his disciples to delay or dawdle. He does not tell them, worship just a couple more years before you go. He does not say, take a few more classes before you get to work. He doesn't say, make sure you know everything there is to know before you go. He tells Mary, run, speak the good news to the disciples. He tells Thomas, feel my wounds. He tells Peter, feed my sheep. He tells his disciples on the road to Emmaus, remember what you already know. And then he tells them all, simply go. Go as you are with what you have. And Jesus said, I will do the rest. Jesus gives them and us our marching orders, the strength and the encouragement they need to go out into the world with confidence. They don't have or need silver or gold. But what they have is important that they share. They have the name and the truth and the power of Jesus Christ. So you and me, where are we to go? What are we to do? I have good news. You and I trip over opportunities to serve and tell the good news of Jesus every day. Your path is crowded with chances to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world. Perhaps you were drawn to be a Martis in Kingwood, in Texas, in Appalachia, in Peru. Perhaps you see people in our community who are struggling to make ends meet, who are insecure about food, employment, the daily necessities of life. Know this, every week people from our church go to Ham to work in the food pantry, the volunteer jobs, the clothing thrift stores, the food distribution. 
Perhaps you worry about a generation of children coming up in our school system who have weak or unhealthy foundations at home, who long for a steady, reliable adult in their lives. Know this, every week, people from our congregation work through Kids Hope to mentor students in our neighborhood schools whose teachers have identified them as needing a stable adult in their lives. Perhaps you have seen the devastation that a tropical storm or hurricane can bring to our community. Know this, every spring, members of our congregation work through Lake Houston Responds to plan for the recovery and relief efforts in our own neighborhoods and nearby through miserable storm events. Perhaps you've wondered about the thousands of foreign seafarers who visit the Port of Houston every year. They have no local connections. They know no one here. Perhaps they've never heard the name of Jesus Christ in their lives. Know this, our covenant partners, you and me, every year we prepare hundreds of gift boxes. They are an excuse for the local chaplains to go onto the ships and greet these foreign strangers in the name of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you know of someone who has lost a loved one and is dealing with the suffering that goes with the grief. Know this, that there are covenant partners of our church that reach out to and spend time with these folks in grief share, helping them to navigate that chapter of their loss. Perhaps you've seen people in our church or community who are dealing with storms in their lives and they need a listening ear and a calm presence to help them through that. Know that every week, Stephen ministers some of whom are sitting in this room with you today, are walking beside those people, helping them to find their way through stormy seasons. Perhaps you've seen and read about the suffering in Central and South American communities from corruption, lack of basic resources, no chances for opportunities in their homelands. And you hear about these people being forced to make dangerous, risky trips north, hoping that they would land in a safe place in America. You worry. What could I do to stem the tide of migrants fleeing from their home countries? Know that our church family sends teams to Central America to drill water wells and teach hygiene in communities, support local churches, aid in food distribution, and support efforts to strengthen local communities, hoping to decrease pressure off these people to move out of their home countries. Perhaps you've seen news reports of disasters in Syria, Turkey, Ukraine, Know that our church has supported recovery and relief efforts in these places. And this very next week, a week from tomorrow, one of our church members will travel to Ukraine with one of our mission partners to explore opportunities for service there. Bottom line, you and I know where the pain and suffering are. You know where the least, the last, and the lost are in this world. They're on your street. They're in your schools. They're in your community, your nation, your hemisphere and around the world. You know them. You hear about them every day. We trip over them as we watch the news. There's not a lack of harvest, only of workers. So today I have good news for you. Personally, you have been chosen. God has called you by name to this church family, this community of believers, so that you might hear Christ's call to you. You have been blessed, broken, and now you are sent. Every Christian must pause regularly, take a deep breath, clear our minds, listen for God's Holy Spirit to speak to our lives, examine their own hearts. We must ask the hard questions. What am I to do? Is this the time for me to step out of my comfort zone? Is this the season of my life to try something new in the service of God? This summer, a 14-year-old will go on their first mission trip to Mobile to paint houses. This summer, an 80-year-old 
will help with vacation Bible schools in our church, a church in Honduras, and a church in Peru. Youth, teachers, engineers, business people, lawyers, professionals will all work at food pantries, clinics, painting, and preparing disaster supplies. They are all blessed. They know it. And now they will become a blessing. It's confession time to you. I needed to hear this sermon back in 1992 when a youth pastor told me these very same truths. Different words, different styles, same message. I was hesitant. I was unsure, resistant. I was argumentative. But he was persistent, and he taught me to listen to God's call. That led to important life-changing paths. God does move in mysterious ways. We are faced almost daily with this question. What does God have next for me? And these were the very questions that the disciples were asking. These are the questions that cause us anxiety. They make us uneasy. In every instance where the Holy Spirit leads to change, drama will ensue. Be prepared to be discouraged, distracted, maybe even derailed. Occasionally, we'll misread God's guidance and wander into the wrong track and must step back and regroup. The world is complicated. Christ's missions have many moving parts. Life happens. Those become moments for prayerful pause, thoughtful reflection, quiet reconsideration. But always this, remember that God has something in mind for you. Whatever you do, wherever you go, God is already there working, preparing opportunities for you to be his hands and feet. You will go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God will be sending you. He will have a purpose in your being there. Christ lives in you and has something he wants to do through you where he sends you. Let us pray. Eternal God, we thank you for the way that you teach us, choose us, bless us, break us, and then send us. Remind us that our brokenness is not punishment or evil. It's the engine that makes us powerful in your hands. Direct our hearts to what it is that you want us to do and where it is that you want us to go. For we ask it in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.